And now, a warrior for the Word of God and the Constitution of the United States, a Marine Corps veteran, a Harvard-trained attorney, Bishop of the Called Churches, and founder and president of STAND. Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. And I am he. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It's just a couple of days away, and I know you're looking forward to spending some time with family and friends, usually uh, having a day off sometimes, a couple of days off, Thursday to Thursday and Friday weekend. They say there's going to be a lot of traveling this weekend, people going to other parts of the country to visit with family and friends. That's a that's a welcome thing. Remember uh, last year, people were discouraged. Don't go visit your grandparents. Don't let them see your children. I mean, just, I tell you, that stuff has just gotten so old. And uh, I just, I had uh, Dr. Christina Parks on with, with you all, what, I guess about two or three weeks ago, and she was on my conference call today uh, and I'll tell you something, folks. There are very intelligent, knowledgeable people who are balanced and stable uh, and and uh, very cogent who are telling us that this whole approach to this thing has been off um, and that that these these so-called vaccines, in fact, I can quote her, she said, it's not a vaccine at all. It is really gene therapy. So you're not, we're not being told that by the government. We're not being told that by the CDC. Um, and but here's what we are being told. I heard, I've heard this on the news several times. We've had more cases and more deaths since we started giving out the vaccine than we had before. Now, I'm not a scientist, but that doesn't make sense to me. Because I thought that the whole point of the vaccine was to stop the virus spread and to completely eliminate its lethality. Of course, we were told that you get the vaccine, you won't get the virus. Now we're being told, no, you won't get a, you won't get a serious case of it. So there's been a lot of misinformation uh, that here again, I am not anti the shot for people who think they they want it now look i do think you've got to continue to look at the evidence and assess it for yourself and if you find that the evidence tends toward you know this is probably not a good thing to do don't be afraid to follow that but i think each individual has to make that decision on his or her own but given all the questions that there are about this and all the reputable scientists remember i had dr uh harvey uh Reich, from Yale University, a renowned epidemiologist saying the same things that Dr. Christina Parks is saying. What are these people all? They're all nuts. They're all crazy. I'll tell you what they are. They're not people making money at the clip of $1,000 per second off the promotion of these so-called vaccines. That's what they aren't. And maybe as a result, they're capable of speaking to this in an objective way. I mean, when $1,000 per second is pouring into your coffers, that will tend to skew you a little bit, don't you think? Yeah, well, the word of God says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But look, all that aside, praise God. Thanksgiving is coming, and we are so very, very thankful for what God has done. In fact, 
If you have not heard my message on Thanksgiving from last Sunday, you ought to get that because I traced Thanksgiving from its earliest stages. Of course, the first Thanksgiving in this country was celebrated in 1621, one year after the first pilgrims arrived uh, at Plymouth Rock. And then Governor William Bradford issued the first official Thanksgiving proclamation two years later in 1623. Now that means, folks, we have been in America celebrating Thanksgiving in one form or another, in one way or another, for 500 years. That's part of our spiritual legacy as a nation. You know, let me let me just say this before I get into some of these issues. You know, we Americans, uh, and from an ancestral point of view, come from all over the globe, right? I mean, our ancestors come from literally all over the globe. But as Americans, we 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 do have a spiritual inheritance in this country. All of us, regardless of the color of our skin, regardless of where our ancestors came from, we have a spiritual inheritance. And that's part of what I was talking about, a heritage of thanksgiving. That our founders and and the first settlers to this continent began the process of establishing themselves here by acknowledging with thanksgiving the providence of Almighty God. Now, that's undeniable. And these people running around talking about America is not a Christian country and all that. I mean, please, just go dunk your head in a bucket of water somewhere and, and, and see if you can wash all the cobwebs or whatever's in there that's got you thinking all messed up. But of course we're a Christian country. Of course, culturally, we are. They didn't come to this continent and a year after having lost half their people on the voyage and, and another half... Uh, in the in the winter of 1620 to 21, they didn't say, hey, let's go build a Buddhist shrine and go light some incense and chant. <laughs> that is not our heritage. They turned to the God of the Bible and they turned to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and they offered prayers and supplications and thanksgiving to him. Now, I don't know when my ancestors arrived on this continent exactly. I know that they, I can date back at least 200 years, I believe. It, and obviously, it goes back before that. I just don't have any, I don't have any way of recording when my great-grandfather, where or from whom my great-grandfather was born, Gabriel Jackson, born in 1798, if the, if the census records are correct. And he had his age correct. He was born in 1798, the year before George Washington died, which means I had to have had and born in Virginia, which means I had to have had ancestors here before that. So my my heritage here could could go back 500 years. It could, could go back. I don't know. Could to 1619. Probably doesn't go back that far, but I just don't know. But what I do know, that's my biological and my genetic heritage. But what I do know is this, my spiritual heritage as an American, goes back to those beginnings. Because those are my spiritual ancestors. I have now entered the stream of their legacy. See, this is what every American has got to understand, and so many of us don't. That's, that's why we, we, we tend to be 
I mean, look, Marxism is not an American idea. It's a European idea. You know, totalitarianism uh, was, I mean, of course, that's something that's been a, a universal thing. It takes different forms all around the world. But Americans didn't come here for totalitarianism. They came here for freedom. So freedom, faith, family, those are our spiritual legacy, our heritage. And you got these people running around here talking about America's a white supremacist country. America's a Christian country. Of course, they think Christianity is white supremacist. That's just how ignorant some of these people are. See, when we think of it that way, it, 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 it unifies us. It brings us together. Because what we see is the hand of God setting that legacy up for us. So that when I said our, uh, those settlers could not have imagined that 500 years later, an American of African ancestry would be standing in a church talking about them and how what they did has had an impact on him and on all Americans ever since. Oh, boy, that, that is powerful. Back in a moment. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Has Christianity made a positive impact on Western civilization? That was a question I posed a few months ago in a commentary and provided a short list of atheists who would agree with that statement. Now there are more atheists coming to that conclusion. Jonathan Van Vieren writes about a number of atheists who he calls King Agrippa Christians. After the Apostle Paul gave his testimony in the gospel, the king said he was nearly persuaded. None of the atheists he mentioned have become Christians, but they do acknowledge the important contribution of Christianity to our world. One example is the historian Tom Holland, who often writes about the ancient world. His new book, Dominion, How the Christian Revolution Remade the World, makes a convincing case for Christianity. Christian writers who have read the book praise it because it provides examples that various Christian historians have documented. The ancient world was cruel. Spartans, for example, routinely killed off imperfect children. The bodies of slaves were treated like outlets for physical pleasure. Only a few citizens had rights. Holland explains that Christianity changed the prevailing views about sex and marriage. It demanded that men control themselves. It placed sex within marriage and within monogamy. And Christianity elevated the status of women. To put it simply, Christianity transformed the world. Without Christianity, the Western world as we know it would not exist. If the West had not become Christian, Holland writes, no one would have gotten woke. This growing list of atheists who say positive things about Christianity is encouraging. They're willing to admit that Christianity has been a force for good in our world. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Go deeper on topics like you just heard by visiting pointofview.net. That's pointofview.net. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay. 
pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. When you die, are you going to heaven or not? You can know for sure. Heaven or not. Dot net. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Well, one of the things that gives me hope is meeting young people who see the world through the lens of God's word and are committed to truth and decency and honor and real real justice. Real justice, of course, requires righteousness. Social justice is a euphemism for socialism. And so my guest today is one of the officers of Youth Taking a Stand, which we formed a couple of months ago, Gabrielle Hope. Gabrielle, welcome to The Awakening. I am so glad to have you on. Oh, thank you, Mr. Bishop. I am actually, it's an honor to be on your program right now, listening it for so many years. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, now now people are going to be listening to you. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, so think about that. And by the way, we want to say to all the young people out there, I mean, Gabrielle is only 18 years old. We want to say to all the young people out there, if, if you, you, you're, you're Bible-believing Christians, you're pro-life, you're, you're pro-family, and you feel like a lot of the young people around you are, are in, on a, in a different place, and sometimes you feel all alone, connect with us. Connect with people like Gabrielle. Connect with you taking a stand. You can email us at yts at standamerica.us. And some of these young people get in touch with you and talk to you and, and get you involved in what we're doing. So, Gabrielle, let's let's but let's talk a little bit about you first, and then we'll get to you taking a stand. One of the things that, uh, in fact, I would say, uh, a, a supreme passion of your life is is pro life and and saving the lives of unborn children. Uh, tell us how did how did you develop in that, and what are you what are you doing right now to sort of. Uh, walk out that commitment that you have? Oh, uh, well, uh, being raised in a good Christian home with both of my parents has definitely helped me, but I think really this is where God has led me to be right now. Um, I've been volunteering here at the Women's Resource Center in Gulfport, Mississippi for about eight months now, and I started off as just a volunteer and then I basically moved into becoming a peer counselor. And what I do here is when young women come in here and they're lost and they're scared, I show them the love of Christ and I, I open up to them and I listen to them because that's really what they what they want is they want somebody to listen to them in the darkest time of their right, life right now. And that's just a huge honor for me is, being, is God using me to be able to help women 
in this situation and to show them the love of Christ. And that makes it all worthwhile. Well, Gabrielle, I, I commend you and your parents. I mean, they've raised you well, and you've taken to heart the truths that they have imparted to you. And you're now, you're now trying to help other young people. Um, and, and I understand as, as part of that, you, you want to be a nurse. Yes, sir. <laughs> I do. I actually, um, so basically, um, I graduated high school when I was 16. And for the last two years, I was set. I wasn't going to college. It's not something I was going to do, but when I when I started working here and I volunteered here and I I don't know for some reason I the Holy Spirit moved me and on my very first ultrasound when I saw that baby on the screen I I knew I was like this is what I want to do and I feel like I'm called to be a nurse and I am so excited because starting in January I'm going to be start starting college. Wow. Congratulations. You're, you're, wow. Praise God. Well, well, look, you, I, I really believe that God has anointed you and imbued you with a, with a, with a leadership mantle. And, and I think you're going to influence a lot of people, Gabrielle, because people are, are moved by folks who have clear, uncompromised convictions because the world is such a place of compromise today where there's no truth there, you know, it's your truth, my truth. There's no right or wrong. It just, it, it, everything depends. And so finding people, particularly young people who are clear about who they are and where they stand, I, I think is extremely inspiring, not only to young people, but to all of us. So now tell us, what would you say to young people? Because, you know, everywhere I go, I, I've shared this with you. I always have some young people come up to me when I speak and say, wow, thank you so much. And it always gratifies me because I'm thinking, you know, this old guy's young people are, are, are hearing me. What that means is there are a lot of young people out there with a hunger to hear the truth and to affirm the truth. It's just that they don't see it or hear it very many places. So what would you say to young people? Uh, maybe there's a young person out there who's, kind of thought about the pro-life issue and feels as you do and, and, and other issues that are on them? I mean, what would you say to them to encourage them? Basically, um, one I would start off saying is I know where you're at right now. I have been there. I know what it's like to feel like you're the only one who believes what you believe. I would suggest that you spend this time right now getting deeper into the Word of God, getting deep-rooted, and really build that relationship with God because He's the one that's gonna, who's gonna walk you through the season in your life right now. And I know that young, especially not basic, Christians, but young Christians especially, especially in our today's generations, we stick out like a sore thumb. And I know what it is like to be, you know, not physically but spiritually persecuted and ridiculed. And I know it's not easy. So. I would say to any young person who's listening right now is that be proud of who you are and know that you're standing for truth and you're standing for God and you're representing him. Amen. Uh, I went to speak one time at a school, a Christian school. I want to identify it because I don't want to embarrass the pastor or that particular school or church. But when I got there, the pastor said, we're, we're in a crisis right now. I said, well, why? He said, because our high school class was asked how many of you believe that marriage is a union between one man and one woman as opposed to, you know, it being, you know, whatever people want it to be, you know, two, two people of the same gender and all of that. And he said that in a classroom of 33 students, only 
two agreed that marriage is only a union between one man and one woman. And he said he couldn't believe it. Pastor, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. How do you how do how do Christian young people get to a point where they're basically rejecting the standard of God's word? Is it peer pressure? Is it just wanting to be liked by others? Or I mean, what's the thinking process that would make them buy into something that they know is contrary to what the word says? You said you need to get deeper in the word. Is that what it is? I mean, what what is it? Well, I, pers- I have been in that situation before. I know what it's like. It's very easy to follow the crowd. But I think a lot of it is, one, they're not deep-rooted in, you know, being knowing the Word of God, reading the Word of God, being, you know. And then another thing would be is that they, they want to be accepted. And I know, and I know we all want to be accepted, but the thing is is that we can't because Christians are set apart from the world. And we can't be like the world. We're meant to be apart from the world. So, I mean, that thinking really comes from, I think it really is his fear. It's fear of being rejected and ridiculed. And I know it's difficult, but, I mean, when you think about what Jesus did, what Christians have to go through today is nowhere near as bad as what Jesus had to do. You know, you reminded me of that scripture. Um, I think it's in Second uh, Corinthians chapter six, maybe First Corinthians chapter six, which says, "Come out from among them, and be separate." And that that can be hard, can it? Because it's that means sometimes hard. you have to stand alone. How, how have you dealt with that when when you said you know you know where where people are? How have you dealt with that when you felt a sense of, of maybe being ridiculed or looked down on or well you know she's one of these stupid Bible thumpers or you know that whatever the <laughs> attitude might be? How do you, how, how have you well, dealt with that? One is I would I would open the Bible and you know I might flip through a scripture and God has me land on the exact page on the exact verse that he wants me to hear and that just really it helps me put on the armor of God and two really just my dad and my dad always reminds me is that they're they don't hate you they hate Christ because they feel convicted and they hate what Christ stands for because he is righteous and holy and that's really why when I am maybe ridiculed or people can't stand for what I believe in, they look at me and they ask, why, why do you serve a God who, who believes all of this? And, you know, I'm like, well, I, I do. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and He died for me. And I want to, as a Christian, it is my job to lead a Christ-like life. And I do that by honoring what God has said in, in his word. You know, Gabrielle, we're, we're almost out of time, but uh, we want to encourage people. We're going to do a youth conference coming up in the spring sometime, and we want to encourage you young people who are listening, you parents who have young people who you know, listen to the program or, or you want them to listen to the program, to stay tuned for that because we're going to invite young people from around the country to hear people like Gabe, Gabrielle, who you just heard, uh, how how mature this this young lady is, and and she could she could really be a help to a lot of young people. Uh, Gabrielle, I, I guess before you go, um, what would you say to a young person right now who wants to do something? I mean, they they don't know what, but they want to do something 
to walk out this relationship with Christ, and they, or they want to just draw closer to the Lord. Because what you're talking about is the difference between just kind of going to church and going through the motions and having a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Encourage people in that, in, these young people in that relationship. What I would say to a young person right now is build your relationship with God. You're in a season right now, and He's going to use you wherever you may be. And it could be that right now He wants you to get closer to a certain someone and help spread the truth of the gospel. Or maybe He just wants you to shine your light by living a righteous life. Anywhere you're at in life, God. That's that's going to do it, dear. God bless you. We'll be back in a moment. It's my turn. Here is your host for My Turn, Don Wildman. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus had these words to say. But I say to you that hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Edwin Stanton lived from 1814 to 1869. He was a nervous, cranky, and contradictory lawyer who worked his way up after dropping out of college because of a lack of funds. Stanton served as the Attorney General in the cabinet of President James Buchanan. Stanton also was a sharp critic of Abraham Lincoln and had many unkind words for the man who followed Buchanan as the President of the United States. He often spoke of Lincoln as a low cunning clown and even nicknaming the original gorilla. Stanton went so far as to suggest to a famous hunter of the time that he was a fool to wander over Africa trying to catch a gorilla when he could have easily found one in Springfield, Illinois. Well, after Lincoln was elected president, he was influential in acquiring a post as legal advisor to Simon Cameron, Secretary of War, for Stanton. Even after this favor, Stanton continued his harsh criticism of Lincoln. Many people were shocked when Lincoln appointed Stanton as the Secretary of War following the resignation of Cameron. It was hard for them to understand why Lincoln would give such a high, important post to a man who had continually criticized him and his policy. While Stanton was treating Lincoln in such a manner, Lincoln continued to show Stanton every courtesy. He never spoke to him harshly or returned hateful remarks with hateful remarks. Lincoln appointed Stanton to the job of Secretary of War for one simple reason. Stanton was the best man for the job. Lincoln knew this and did not let the ugliness of Stanton stop him from making the appointment. On the night of April the 14th, 1865, Lincoln was watching a play entitled Our American Cousin from a box at Ford's Theater in Washington. During the play, a man by the name of John Wilkes Booth entered the box where Lincoln was sitting and shot the president in the head. During the confusion that followed, Lincoln was carried to a little room where an attempt was made to save his life. Into that room that night came several people. They watched, stunned, as their president lay dying. Among those who were there was Edwin Stanton, the man who had been so harsh and critical of the president, despite the fact that the president had shown him every courtesy and kindness. Looking down at the rugged form of a gentle man, Stanton spoke through tears. There lies the greatest ruler of men the world has ever seen, he said. You know, Jesus once said, Love your enemies and pray for your persecutors and those who treat you spitefully. 
Stanton had learned the hard way that this was the highest and noblest way of living ever given to mankind. And his criticism was finally silenced by love. This has been My Turn with Don Wildman, a production of the American Family Association. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Well, folks, we won't be with you on Friday Live. Of course, we'll be here, but we won't be live on Friday because it's the day after Thanksgiving. So I'm going to open up the lines today for any subject you want to talk about. We've already used up half the program, but we still got another half to go. The number is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. Let me throw a couple of other issues out there. Uh, We talked a little bit about Thanksgiving and the the heritage we have as Americans. If you want to comment on that or, or express some Thanksgiving, feel free to do that. But, you know, I always talk about the difference between us as Christians and these leftists and their attitude. Now, Kyle Rittenhouse was responsible for the deaths of two people, uh, and he injured a third. These were all not nice people. Uh, One, 15 years in prison, convicted sex offender. Uh, The other one had a record. Uh, I think the third one had been, all of them had been involved in some bad stuff. But you never hear me, you've never heard me come on here and celebrate their deaths. Kyle Rittenhouse hasn't done that. He's expressed remorse and regret that that's what happened. But he felt he did what he had to do to defend his life. But you know, the left, because they're godless, they love dancing on people's graves. So when this incident happened in... um, Waukesha, Milwaukee, they mocked Kyle Rittenhouse. Five people dead now. Five people dead. 40 injured. And some some Democrats decided to make fun of it. Decided to turn it into a Kyle Rittenhouse moment. So saying, making statements like, oh, he, he, was, he must have been acting in self-defense when he goes and mows down people, innocent people, out celebrating Christmas. Yeah, he must have, he must have been acting in self-defense. And this is this woman. Um, uh, what is her name? I'll get it. <clears throat> but she basically says... Um, Living in Wisconsin, he probably felt threatened. I'm sure he didn't want to hurt anyone. He came to help people. In other words, likening him to Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, her name is Lemansky. What's her full name? But she, she was posting... Um, Mary Lemansky, Illinois Democrat, posting on Twitter and other places, yeah, making fun of the deaths of these people. I mean, this guy is a convicted felon with a record twice as long as my arm. In fact, they say, I I don't know how many pages of, uh, this guy was in trouble. He's been in trouble for the last 20 years with violent crimes, 
felony strangulation, um, sexual battery, uh, just all kinds of, of crazy. Oh, attack on a police officer, assault on a police officer. And basically, they thought this was a joke. She thinks it's a joke. And here again, I believe this is the way Democrats think. This is the way the left thinks these days. And here again, I know not every Democrat, but I'm, I'm thinking about these elites. This is the way they think. I mean, Rashida Tlaib is now calling. This kid was this guy, not a kid, but 39 years old, I think. He's out on $1,000 bail. And you know the way bail works, folks. If the bail is $1,000, a bail bondsman get, bails you out for $100 and basically, he provides insurance that the bail will be paid if you should skip. So basically, he's out on the street for $100 after trying to run down his girlfriend with his car. And then he goes down and runs down and kills five people. And he was already out on bail on $500 on another charge. And they think this is a joke. Kyle Rittenhouse has no record. Kyle Rittenhouse has never hurt anybody. Kyle Rittenhouse was not a criminal. But I guess... If you're a white supremacist, which he's not, but they smeared him with it anyway, I guess you are to be considered as bad or worse than a, a felon of 20 years long-standing criminal behavior. See, we don't we don't do that. We don't celebrate bad things happening to anybody, not even to our enemies. I mean, there might be some circumstances where there might be some exceptions. I mean, I'll tell you what, I've never spent a day regretting that Hitler killed himself, and that's for sure. In fact, I've often wished somebody killed him earlier, but that, gee, that's another matter. <laughs> that's Adolf Hitler. Um, but, you know, people who disagree with us, we don't want them dead. But that's not the way the left operates. It, it's, it's, it's evil. It, it's really evil. Joe Biden is releasing 50 million barrels of oil from the National Strategic Petroleum Reserve uh, to help us with gas prices. And you want to, Lord, I don't even think I can say that about the president because I wanted to say you just want to grab him by the shoulders and shake him. But even that might be seen as something, you know, that you, you can't say about. But you, you all get you get the picture. You just want to say, Mr. President, we were energy independent. Now you've got to release oil from the reserves and you've got to beg Saudi Arabia to produce oil. We had enough oil without having to depend on anyone else or to dip into our reserves. What's wrong with you? I mean, wow. And those reserves are for our national security. Well, I guess the fact that President Trump is the one who made sure we had energy independence makes energy independence invalid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, let, let's take some calls. Let's go to Wiley in Mississippi. Wiley, welcome. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Bishop, I was just wondering, if you, if you heard about a new book that Robert Kennedy's got out, Robert Kennedy Jr., and by the way, isn't he a senator now or was a senator in the past? No, Robert Kennedy never got there. Uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. never got there. But um, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I heard but I know you're talking about. He's he, he's been a climate he's been a climate activist that kind of thing. But uh, but okay, good. But go ahead. Okay, I heard an interview by him last night, which it was 
uh, the 23rd here where I'm at, Mississippi, but they was coming out of California on coast to coast with George Norrie. George Norrie interviewed him last night for two solid hours about his new book, The Real Anthony Fauci, and he told in detail documentation and stuff. And I wish you would go and listen to that interview Wow! Uh, on the 22nd of November with uh, him. But uh, he told in detail about Fauci and Gates and one other man over, I believe it was Germany, but it's over in Europe. Those three guys have the um, patent on all these vaccines that's being used. And he gave in detail mm-hmm. how they're getting, you know, billions of dollars in Fauci has four subordinates, according to this guy, according to Robert Kennedy. He's got four subordinates under him within his government, you know, rankings that has been promised $150,000 per year for the rest of their life. And that's separate from their government salaries from the vaccines. But anyway, it's all all in that interview, and I wish you'd listen to it. I I will check it out, Wally. Happy Thanksgiving to you, brother. When when John when when Robert Kennedy starts talking about this kind of stuff, you know uh, that something's going on because he's a liberal. He is not a conservative. Let's go to Sylvia in Texas. Sylvia, welcome. Welcome. Hey, how are you today? I am blessed. How are you today? I am the same. God is good all the Amen. time. <laughs> Amen. I, I I follow the news. I'm conservative. I try not to watch the news because it it upsets me. But on a note of hope, the star of Bethlehem is going to be able to be seen in December for the first time in 800 years. Wow. And, you know, when I've, I've been reading about that, and I just thought nobody knows about this that I'm talking to in Texas. You know, they're they're excited to hear about it. And I just wanted to get that out, to go out on December 22nd, an hour after sunset, and you're going to be able to see the Star of Bethlehem for the first time in 800 years. And I think it's significant. I think um, the heavens um, proclaim the Lord. Wow. And I think... Sylvia, you you can... can, Sylvia, I've got to take a break, but I'll tell you what. You just told the whole country about the Star of Bethlehem. Not that everybody in the country is listening, but people all over the country are, and I'm so glad you did. We'll be back in a moment. American Family Studios was started back in 2011 as a way to advance the Christian worldview into an increasingly media-rich culture. Media is like such a powerful tool to communicate the gospel. I love writing stories, getting in my office, and just thinking, how can we portray this concept of who God's character is? And to get to use the gifts that God has given me is really a joy. AmericanFamilyStudios.net They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true, and if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is now available. Learn more at AFA.net. 
Here's a story filled with both tragedy and hope. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and Amelia was raised in South Africa, very tragically witnessed the murder-suicide of her own mother and father. The father, a raging alcoholic, would kill the mother before turning the gun on himself. This sent all the siblings in different directions. Amelia ended up with an aunt who did not love her. In fact, forced her into human trafficking, and she would go on to be assaulted by men who never were prosecuted for the crime. Amelia lived with bitter unforgiveness for many years until a Bible League volunteer volunteer introduced her to Jesus and trained her to share Christ with others. And would you know what? 120 Christians have looked upon Amelia and they say, what? I want Jesus. And I tell you what, they live where Bibles are non-existent. So we're asking you today, would you step into the stories of these 120 Christians and others around the world who need the Bible at only $5? Make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD. 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 Or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Yeah, suppose you're listening to the program and you're thinking, well, I'm that age and my parents have been doing that to me. The best approach is to go to them with love and honor and say, I want to make things better. This is Focus on the Family Minute, and Dr. John Townsend shares about how to work through relationship problems with your parents. You know, you see all the way through the Bible when it talks about, you know, know, speak the truth in love and this sort of thing, confront your brother or sister. To go to them and say, you know, Thank you for what you've done for me, but there's some things that don't make it better. I, I always start off positive. It's not as good as it could be. Could we communicate in a different way? And here could be my part. And a lot of people, then their defenses will go down because you're not saying you're the person at, at fault. You're just saying, this is the ground's all level at the cross here. Here's what I've been doing that's crazy. Here's what you're doing. I want to make it better. It's really hard to say no to that invitation. Hear more from Dr. Townsend at FamilyMinute.org. Back to the Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson on American Family Radio. Well, folks, uh, the Star of Bethlehem, I believe, is scheduled to be seen uh, on December 22nd, but you can look that up for yourself. Um, And I think it appeared uh, the first time in 2020, or maybe that's when they first made people aware that it was going to be coming, but... But it is quite a phenomenon. Now, I don't know whether anybody can prove that that was the actual manifestation of the Star of Bethlehem, but that's what it's come to be called. Um, And it's when, apparently, when the two planets of, uh, what is it, Jupiter and Saturn come together uh, in in a very bright reflection that looks like a double star. So uh, it's true. It hasn't been seen in eight Hundred years, so that's going to be interesting. December twenty second, by the way, is the day of my spiritual birth. I was born again on December twenty second of nineteen seventy six. So this will be forty five years of my walking with Christ. Eight 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 five eight nine eight eight four zero is the number. We got plenty of time to get plenty of calls in, and it's your calls all the way today. Okay, so let's uh, let's come back to the phones. Let's go to. Sarah in Virginia. Sarah, welcome. Hi, how are you? I am blessed, Sarah, and you are too, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah. So I wanted to call in, um, and I didn't want to ruffle any feathers, but I was listening on my drive to North Carolina today, and I was hearing your story about um, Wisconsin, about the tragedy in Wisconsin. Yeah. And it was heartbreaking. I mean, I was heartbroken when I heard about the tragedy. I just thought it was 
a little misleading to like make it so political. Um, I know a lot of Democrats who were disgusted by what happened in Wisconsin. And I know that most of them, I I don't really know anyone who thinks that the man was uh, acting in self-defense. If anything, that's like a a media thing that's been put out saying that he was acting in self-defense, but I don't know. Anybody. Well, Sarah, 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 no, that they, that that was mocking. I think everybody knows he wasn't acting in self-defense. I think what they were doing was they were making fun of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and, and using, saying, you know, yeah, yeah, just like Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, he, he was he was acting in self-defense, too. So they were basically mocking Kyle Rittenhouse's acquittal. That's so they, I don't think anybody was seriously saying he was acting in self-defense. So that that's all that was. OK. Yeah, but but look, here's here's the thing, Sarah. Here's the thing. This has a context, right? And if you 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 look at what happens on Twitter, you look at what happens on social media. Anytime there's a tragedy that affects anybody, uh, where they they can they can in some some way kind of dance on a person's grave that they don't like, it never fails. And all I'm simply pointing out is the difference between what we as Christians do. And what the godless left does, and I said, I'm not saying all Democrats, but I think this, the elites definitely behave this way, where they love, they enjoy tragedy that happens to other people, particularly when they don't like what those people stand for. We don't do that. And that's all I was pointing out. Okay? I understand that. All right, Sarah. Thank you so much for the call. God bless. Hey, happy Thank Thanksgiving. Uh, let's go to Chris in Arkansas. Chris, welcome. Hey, Bishop. Hey, man. Hey, uh, real quick. Uh, I was uh, looking at some news feed, and there's a, a story about a, a homeschooling mom that got her home uh, raided by the FBI the other day. And it's all because she stood up at a, count, uh, a school board meeting. And I was just wondering if you had heard about that and you know any more information about that. And well, as a homeschool dad, I'm just wondering what the implications are for that because if they come to my house and try to knock down my door, I got. I, uh, you know, uh, we have dogs and uh, uh, and other things that will greet them when, uh, uh, in not a nice way. So I'm just curious. <laughs> I, 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 we, so. We, we, we got the point, Chris. I think we got the point. Hey, Chris, I, I had not heard about that story, but uh, but I'll look into it. Uh, you know, and Chris, thank you for the call. Happy Thanksgiving to you too, Chris. Um, look, folks, I, I think there is a big problem that we have in this country. And here again, it's going to take a very, very strong president to solve it. And I think the problem is that the federal law enforcement agency, the premier federal law enforcement agency, the FBI, has been corrupted with politics. I just think that's at this point undeniable. And here again, I'm not saying every FBI agent is. Some of you listening to me right now might be FBI agents who are committed to doing your duty and doing it in an impartial way, and God bless you for it. So I'm not suggesting this is true for everybody uh, or for every agent. But I think that the institution itself, uh, because of the elites who have run it, well, look, when you put a, a, a former, well, of course, he was head of the CIA, but when you put a, I was thinking of John Brennan, but, but uh, James Comey, too. When you put a former communist, a former self-professed communist as head of the FBI who has never renounced communism, it does give you pause. It, it just makes you wonder. How does he view the FBI? How does he view his role? And of course, we found out that he, he had all kinds of megalomaniacal ideas about who he was and what was important. 
Um, so I, I think that's the bigger issue that that we've got to we got to get that under control. Um, but as far as the sub- suburban mom is concerned, yeah, we'll we'll definitely look into that because here again, the FBI shouldn't be raiding a parent's home because they said some some things that school board members didn't like. I mean, come on, and 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 here again, a, a decent president hearing about getting that letter would be saying, please don't write me letters about parents expressing their political concerns. They have a right to do that, and I'm going to defend their right to do that, not suppress it. Well, wouldn't that be refreshing? Okay, let's let's continue here. Let's get to, you've been waiting patiently. Let's get to Jake in Louisiana. Jake, welcome. Hey, Bishop. How you doing, man? Bless, man. You too. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And uh, I got three things, man. The first thing, I just want to be uh, the first one to wish you a happy early Merry Christmas and a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Jake. Thank you. <laughs> yes, sir. Same to you. And uh, I got... <laughs> I got two things also, man. Uh, the first thing, me and you were kind of similar. We grew up in the foster system, and mm-hmm. I wasn't adopted until I was almost 12 years old. I went through three foster homes, and the conditions were just deplorable. I mean, yeah. it was like you couldn't believe. I'm sure you can relate maybe in some yeah, form I of fashion. Relate. I can relate. Um, and uh, But that did not affect me doing something with my life. So I hear a lot of people blame their environment or poverty. Mm-hmm or where they grew up on certain things. Well, I could make that excuse for myself too, but I chose to make the right choices. And I didn't have any help, man. I didn't have no help in my homework. I didn't have no, I mean, my foster parents didn't care what I did. So I don't really acknowledge that excuse. Well, the reason I did this is because of the way I grew Mm -hmm. up. Because I just think that's a bunch of, you know what? And uh, the second, or the third thing is, man, is uh, you hear all this stuff, let me, let me just say this. I, I know that uh, our president is not well. I work in I work in psych and behavioral health. Um, in my opinion, he has vascular dementia, and uh, hmm. he's just not well. And I hate the, how his family and his cohorts are using him. That speaks more about their kind of evil than it really does her uh, his. Wow. And I just want us to uh, yeah. stay in prayer for our president and. Uh, I don't like his policies whatsoever. As a matter of fact, I hate him with passion because it's ruining our country, but mm-hmm. I still don't wish anything bad on him, and I want him to get the help he needs. And I just want him to turn his heart to Christ. I mean, a practicing Catholic, that don't tell you nothing. It's your lifestyle that Amen. you're witness to the Lord. So Jake, have a good day, Bishop. I love you, Jake, man. thank you, man. Thank you. That Jake, boy, you did my heart good. You really did. Because you, you you raise an issue, somebody raised the issue of me uh, politicizing um, the the horrible uh, events in uh, in Wisconsin, and I said no. I'm simply pointing out that we as Christians don't hate people. We don't we don't dance uh, and rejoice in other people's tragedy. We just don't do that. And Jake just made it a sincere expression of compassion for Joe Biden, the man. Now, disagreement vehemently with Joe Biden, the president, and his policies. But see, you know, we Christians can walk and chew gum at the same time, can't we? I mean, we, we know how to make the distinction. We know there's no hatred in our hearts for individuals. We might very much hate the things that, we, that they do and that might make us kind of angry with them, but we don't hate them. But I tell you what, I'm convinced the left really hates our guts on a very personal, visceral level. 
we're going to keep praying for them. Thank you for the call, Jay. Man, that really blessed me. Uh, let's go to Stan in Tennessee. Stan, welcome. Hey, Bishop, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Thank you, sir. Uh, Same to you. Uh, one comment, uh, well, maybe two comments. The the left, they, they the Democrats, they came unglued on the Rittenhouse thing because they couldn't manipulate the circumstances. They couldn't they couldn't manipulate mm-hmm. the judge. They couldn't manipulate the the jury. And the, the the defense lawyers and the judge, they got several death threats. Okay, so that's why they're unglued is because they couldn't manipulate it. My other thing is, I saw a piece where Bill Maher, who's a you know Bill Maher, he's a liberal. Yes, and atheist. of course. He told Chris Como. He told Chris Como. He said, "The Democratic Party has become the party of no common sense." And that's that's my <laughs> oh, comment. Thank you, Stan. That's Bill, that's, that's Bill Thank Maher. you, brother. <laughs> Thank you for the call, Stan. And listen, folks, I think I've already said this. But when Bill Maher starts rebuking the Democrat Party, you know that they have gone off the deep end. In fact, folks, I think I've shared this with you before, but when Bill Maher had Politically Incorrect, I used to be a frequent guest on that program. In fact, I found some of my old archives. I'm going to post some of this stuff. I had been at this for a while, but he and I used to lock horns. I mean, we locked horns, particularly over my faith in Jesus Christ. I remember one time I said, as far as I'm concerned, they ought to burn every marijuana pail on the face of the earth. And he went off the deep end, he said, and called me a Nazi on the air and then had to, you know, he had to apologize for it. So when Bill Maher starts rebuking the Democrat Party, you know they've got problems. Hey, folks, well, that's going to do it for today. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. And, of course, I love you all. I'm so glad to be able to interact with you all this way and to meet some of you as I travel. I hope that you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving and enjoy time with friends and family and and just relax and, and just thank God for all the many blessings he's bestowed upon us. And, and, and always remember, don't be discouraged because we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.